0: Well, good morning, Restoration Church, Pastor Kevin here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this online service. I am so excited that we are able to worship in this way. So thankful for the technology that allows us to be able to come and worship God together through song, to open up some scripture and study the word of God together, as well as to interact with one another through the comment section here on social media. I hope that you will do that today. Excited and thank you so much for tuning in this morning. You know, I heard this funny story about this couple that was driving home after church one day, and they had their son in the backseat of the car, and he's trying to figure out faith. He's trying to learn from mom and dad. And that Sunday, he'd watched dad put a $5 bill into the offering. And that boy is listening to mom and dad, and dad says, uh, Well, you know, what do you think of church today? And the wife says, Well, the music, it was too loud. And the husband says, Well, yeah, and the service was too long. And the little boy chimed in from the back and said, well, I didn't think it was too bad for a $5 show. That's a cute little story. But have you ever thought about what we are offering to God and what that speaks to, the, to our value of God? In fact, what you give, what you give to a person, it, it reveals what you think about them, right? Let me ask you this. Uh, what is your love language? Have you you familiar with the love languages? I think I've got all love languages. I am all of them. But my number one love language, I think, is gifts. I love to receive gifts. And what happens is when you have a love language, oftentimes what you do is you will offer that love language to other people thinking they are going to love it as much as you do. And so for my wife when we were first married man I love to give her gifts I remember this one year for Christmas I went to Fred Meyer and I found this 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 $35 basket that had a value of over hundred and thirty-five dollars I'm like she's gonna love this and inside the basket there was all this girly stuff like bubble bath and candles and I think there was a quart of oil and some beef jerky I mean just what every woman would want for Christmas Listen, as my affection for my wife has grown, so has my ability to give her gifts that speak to the value I have. I have this tendency of of pushing the budget and going outside of our budget lines. And this also is not just about money. It's also about thoughtfulness. And I've had the ability to put together some very thoughtful gifts that I've been able to speak the value towards my wife as I've given her these gifts. But you know, it's the same thing is true of God. That what we offer to God, uh, the gifts that we give from ourselves to God, it speaks to how we view God and and what kind of worth that we attribute to him. What kind of gift do you think is worthy of God? What kind of offering could we give to God that would be worthy uh, of him and worthy of all that he is? You know, ultimately, this is what worship is. Worship is more than just us singing some songs on a Sunday morning. Uh, Worship is is when we give from ourselves uh, and we give to God and it shows him how great we think he is, how worthy he is. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he he explains the type of, of offering and gifts that God wants and expects from us. This is what he says in Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, by the mercies of God, that this is your spiritual worship. This is what it is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is what worship truly is. When we present our entirety of ourselves to God, the offerings that God, the worship, the sacrifice that he deserves, that he wants, is all of us. Every part of us, our, our, our deeds, our dollars, our days, our time, our money, our actions, God wants all of ourselves dedicated wholly to Him. In fact, I heard it said like this a pastor said, Love is not what you feel, love is primarily what you do and how you give. Listen, if that is true, then what happens to us when we give less than that towards God? What happens when we don't give God our best? Will God accept that offering uh, despite the fact of how great he is? Listen, this morning, if you have a Bible, we're in the book of Malachi. If you open up your Bible uh, towards the middle, you'll find the book of Matthew. If you turn left a few pages, you'll find the book of Malachi. We're in a series this fall where we're going through this book of the Bible. And it's a book where God, God is calling out the people's indifference towards him, calling out their lukewarm faith calling them back into a passionate and, and wholehearted relationship with God where they are are fully dedicated towards Him. And this book of Malachi, it's centered on, on seven topics that are introduced by a divine statement followed by either a complaint or a question by the people of God. Listen, I encouraged you last week, and I want to encourage you again. As we take the next a couple weeks, a month and a half of studying the book of Malachi, would you do me a favor and would you read this book once a week over those next couple of weeks? It's a short book, it's only four chapters, probably take you 20 minutes to read through all of it. I want you to read this book because I want you to, to hear the challenging truths that, that Malachi has for us. But above that, I want you to hear that this at its core is a love letter from God to us, full of hope and encouragement. Last week, as we started the book of Malachi, we saw how, how God chose us and how God's choosing of us is the greatest evidence that he loves us. And that is something so important for us, especially during times of our life where we don't necessarily feel God's presence. We don't feel his love around us. We need to be reminded that he chose to love us. He chose us. Today, we're going to introduce the, sep- the, the second topic that Malachi is going to give us in this book. And it deals with what happens when we give less than our best to God. What happens when our worship becomes half-hearted. When our offerings to God are more based on convenience and what's comfortable instead of acknowledging how great and worthy God truly is and what he truly deserves. Listen, in this text there's going to be some strong language and it's designed to, to cut to the heart of an apathetic people to help us to understand that God deserves nothing less than our wholehearted surrender and worship towards Him. So he starts in verse 6, and he's going he's gonna to remind the, the people of God that uh, of who God is and that God is worthy of all worship. Here's what he says, verse 6. He says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. And that's true. That's, that, that's true. And God says, Well, if I'm a father... Then where is my honor? Again, last week we talked about how, how God is a father and how God has chosen us. He has adopted us into his family. So he is our true father. In the nation of Israel, they would have been uh, very uh, knowledgeable about the Ten Commandments. They would have been huge for them, especially that commandment that says, Honor your father and mother. And if earthly children are to honor their father, how much more should we as the children of God honor our heavenly father? So God says, if I'm a father, where's my honor? He says, next, he says, if I'm a master, where is my fear? This word fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to have a a tremendous amount of respect. It's highly respecting God for the position that he is in. Again, as a master has authority over his servants, God is saying, where is my respect? Where is my obedience? Let me ask you this. They have these two pictures of God. God is a father and God is a master. Which one of these is closer to how you view God? Typically, we have a pendulum and we kind of swing back and forth on one of those sides. Or maybe for you, you view God more as a father, where he loves us, he, he's compassionate towards us, he's tolerant towards us, he's gracious towards us. Or maybe on the other side, maybe for you, you view God more as a master, where God's in charge, he gives us orders, and we obey because God's the boss, and, and that's kind of our relationship. Ultimately, we need to hold these two truths in tension. We need to have that childlike trust and security that that we are in God's care. We need to have that childlike trust that he is our father. But we also need to recognize and have that childlike reverence that he is our master, that he is our authority. So God begins and says, listen, if I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? And then he says, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, in this couple of of verses, these nine verses we're looking at today, you're going to see that term, Lord of hosts, repeated seven times. In fact, you'll see it 24 times throughout this entire book. What what it means is he says, I'm the Lord of hosts. That means that God is the Lord of the armies, of the angels, of the stars, which gives us this idea that that God has infinite authority. He's not just God of this world. God has, has infinite authority throughout the universe. That is how big and how great God is. And just in case the people of God are not grasping how great he is, this is what God says in verse 11. He says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. God wants it to be very clear to his people that there is nothing nothing, nothing is greater than God. There's no thing in this world, there's no relationship, there's no amount of money, there's no fame, there's no power, there's no person that is greater than God. Listen, I don't think any one of us would necessarily disagree with that. But as humans, we are prone to wander. As humans, sometimes we have this disconnect where we know this to be true in our head and in our knowledge, but oftentimes there's this disconnect to our heart. And so really this becomes a heart issue for the people of God. They may know that God is all these things, but down in their heart they're not living it out. They're not honoring God. They're not respecting God. They're not fearing God. They've grown a little bit too comfortable with God. They forgot how great and awesome and worthy God is, and it has affected their offerings. It has affected uh, how they give to God. It has affected their worship. And so here's the accusation that God gives to the people of God. He says, based on your offerings and your worship of me, you have despised my name. That's what he says. He says, if I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's the fear, says the Lord of hosts? You, O priests, who despise my name. Malachi is addressing the priests here. The priests were were central to the worship of God in the Old Testament. Uh, The people of God, they would bring their offerings to the priest, and the priest would then offer those to God. So the priest acted as a mediator between God and man. And God, he has a very hard word for the priests, and we're going to deal with that next week. We're going to speak specifically to the leaders of the church. But this message is not just for the priests. This message is for all of the Israelites. Because who was it that would bring these animals to the priests to offer the sacrifices? It was the people of God. So this message is for all of the, the believers, all the Christians in that day. He's speaking to everyone. Everyone is indicted. Is indicted. God says, you have despised my name. And the people are saying, well, well, God, how? God, how have we despised your name? What are you talking about, God? We've brought you animals to sacrifice. We've gone to church. We're singing the songs. We've brought our offering. We volunteer. We give. God, what are you talking about? How are we despising your name? And God says in verse 7, by offering polluted food on the altar. The People say, well, how have we polluted you? And God responds and says, by saying the Lord's table, which is where the offerings were offered in the Old Testament. This is, again, the main way that they worship God. He said, by saying that the Lord's table, table may be despised. When you offer blind animals to sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Again, the people of God, they recognize we can't come to worship empty-handed. We have to bring an offering. But, you know, we don't want to give too much. We don't want to give in a way that, that hurts our bottom line and affects us too deeply. And so what they would do is they would bring their oldest and sickest animal, maybe the animal that was nearest death, they'll say, man, I'll bring that, and I'll give that to God. I'll give that to God. And God is saying, listen, you, you despise my name. You despise me. When you bring an offering to God, when you come to worship God, and instead of offering God the very best, you offer God what's convenient. You offer God what's easy. You've g- you give God the leftovers. You give in a way that doesn't hurt you too much. There isn't much risk involved. It doesn't affect your bottom line. You give to God out of your excess instead of just the pureness of who you are. Like, here's, here's a picture for us to understand this. It's like the Israelites, they're at their house. They open up their fridge, and they're like, hey, we should go and, and bring some food to, the, to, to, to God, to the church. They open up their fridge, and they see this, this beautiful brisket right there. This brisket that was smoked low over 16 hours. You've got that pretty pink ring all around that meat. And right next to that beautiful brisket, there's a sandwich. There's a sandwich that has a, a funky green beard on it. A sandwich that smells like a middle school uh, middle school boy's dirty socks. And the Israelites, they look in that fridge, they see that brisket, and they see that sandwich with a funky beard on it. Like, what are we going to do with that sandwich? I know. We'll, we'll bring it to church. We'll give it to God. That'll be your offering to God. God's going to be so thankful for me because I'm bringing him this offering. What a great guy I am. Look how great I am for the sacrifice I made to God because I brought him this sandwich. Can you imagine? Would that work in real life? Would that work in real life? I mean, God's going to make a point in verse nine. God says, "Would you present that to the governor? If you were to present to the governor, will he accept you? Will he show you favor? Again, let's just picture what God is trying to get across here. Let's just say in terms of taxes. Let's say the government says, hey, you owe X amount of dollars in your taxes. But you decide, you know what? I don't really want to pay that. But you know what? You know what? I do have this car, this old beater car, you know, I wrecked. It's totaled. It's, it's not very good. It doesn't really drive anymore. But I'll give that to the IRS. I'll give that to you. And you can count that as my taxes. See, that, that doesn't necessarily fly. That's not how it works. But this is what the people of God were doing to him. They were despising his name by offering less than the best to God. And you know what? Verse 8. Verse 8 calls what they were doing. It doesn't say that they were being cheap. It doesn't say they're being practical. Actually, when we offer less than the best, God calls it evil. Not once, he calls it evil twice. That when we don't offer God the best of ourselves, God calls that evil. He continues in this text, verse 12. He says, You have profaned the name when you say that the Lord's table is polluted. And you say, what weariness is this? I snort at it, which means the people, they're like, man, we're so tired of worship. We're tired. We're weary of serving in the church. We're weary. We're just going through the motions now. And we kind of, we kind of, we we thumb our nose at it. You know what? God, you're so lucky to have me on the team. You should be so thankful for me, God. I'm not thankful for you. You should be thankful for me. Verse 13 says uh, that uh, the offerings you bring that are taken by violence which means some of your offerings are stolen. The animals that are lame and sick, uh, uh, when you bring that as your offering, he says, shall I accept that, says the Lord? Verse 14, it says, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, yet sacrifices to the Lord what is, what is blemished. That's where people, hey, we claim to worship God. We claim that God is greatest. He's most important in our life. But we keep the very best for ourselves. We give God the leftovers. We give God what's convenient, what's easy. In fact, it is so bad. Their worship is so bad. Their offerings to God are so bad. This is what it says in verse 10. God says, Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I am not accepting an offering from your hand. God says essentially shut it down. Shut it all down. Here the temple is the the central place for worship in the Old Testament. This is where the people can meet with God, but they have so dishonored the name of God by their offerings, by their worship that is so fake and half-hearted. God says it doesn't mean anything to me. Might as well shut it all down. You see, there's a message that God wants to get across in this text. That what we offer to God, it reveals how we feel towards him. That what we give to God, how we worship, it reveals how we feel towards him. And this is such a hard word because here the people of God, they're offering cheap sacrifices. They're half-heartedly worshiping God. Their offerings are easy. They don't cost anything of themselves. And God calls that evil that it is rejected. Now I want to pause for just a second because here we are in 2020. Here we are, we're sitting in our comfy seats and it'd be easy for us to judge the Israelites, to judge their worship, to say, why would you offer God the lame and the sick animals? God deserves better than that. And we feel like in our day and age, we're better than them. But are we? Are we truly better than them? You see, this word is not just for the Israelites. This word is for us. And as I think about what this word means for us, it should make every one of us squirm in our seat. Would you just, this morning, would you consider your life? Would you consider your days and your dollars and your deeds? Would you consider your time, your money, and your actions and your attitudes? Does your life say that you are honoring God, or would your life say that you are despising His name? Now, I know most of us, we have this defense attorney inside of us, that when we feel this accusation, we want to defend ourselves, and we're ready to state our case. And like the Israelites, we'll argue with God, God, how will we despise your name? I come to church, I bring my offerings, I do those things. Listen again, let's understand what God is trying to say here. It doesn't matter what you say. Because if God were to look at your life, if God were to look at the way that you live, at your motivations, what does your life actually say about what you are giving to God? Who gets your best? Who gets the best of your days, the best of your dollars, the best of your deeds? Are you offering God your very best Are you giving God leftovers? What's convenient? Has your worship, has your relationship with God become weary? Just another thing I've got to do. Are you passionate in your worship or are you just going through the motions? Just going through the motions because I'm a Christian and this is what I'm supposed to do. See there's a way for us to live that is hard a way that honors God that gives him the fear that he deserves and the way there's a way for us to live that is convenient and easy and that way despises the name of God there's one of these ways that is right and there's one way that is evil the question is how you are living your life right now is that honoring or dishonoring God listen i'm not talking about these things because it's fun I'm not talking about these things because I want to. I'm bringing up these questions because I love you. And I'm asking you to consider your heart, to consider your motivations, to consider consider your deeds, your dollars, and your days. Consider what you are giving and offering to God. Are you giving your best? Or are you giving God what's convenient and what's easy? Whose kingdom are you truly invested in? Because I tell you what, when I think about Restoration Church, I don't want God to look at Restoration Church and say, you know what? Those offerings, that worship, that's nothing more than leftovers. I reject it. Shut it down. Because that worship isn't genuine. That's not what what I want to hear God say about us. I want to just ask you a couple of questions right now. And I know that defense attorney is gonna come raging. And I'm gonna ask you to silence that defense attorney and just ask God, say, God, is this true of me? Let me ask you this. How are you doing in offering your time in worship of God? How are you doing in offering of your time and your schedule to dedicated towards God? Think about this. We suggested we read through the book of Malachi this past week. Man, I get it. Schedules are difficult. Hard to find the time. But really, shouldn't that be one of those things that we're willing to offer to God to be in His Word? Let me ask you about church. I mean, church, yeah. Yeah, church, we're there. You know, except over the summer when we're traveling and camping and doing those things. Except when my kids are on the sports teams and they're traveling. And except when the Seahawks are playing. And when something else comes up last minute, you know. And so for church... We allow, we're so quick to allow other things to take priority. If we're free, then we'll be at church. Again, if we're gonna offer God our best, what do we want to carve out that time where we can gather with the body of Christ to worship him together? What do we want to carve that out and make that a priority? Hey, this time is dedicated. It's not, it's not an if. It's not if we're available, it is no, this is what we do. Listen, let me say this to those of you watching online this morning. Let me say this. We are in a unique season of life. And I love the fact that we can offer these services where we can worship together in a way that we feel comfortable in the midst of COVID. I'm so thankful that we get to have these online services. We're going to, go- going to continue to do them. But let's, let, let me just speak a word to you right now. Scripture calls us not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. Scripture calls us to observe the one another's in Scripture, to love one another, to serve one another, to bear one another's burdens. Just because we are in COVID, just because we're worshiping online, does not mean we're off the hook from being the church, from being the body of Christ. This past week, Yakima County moved to to phase two which means that you can actually now have five people in your home and you can worship with them together. Listen, I'm asking you, would you continue to be the body of Christ from uh, watching these videos online? Would you invite someone in and, and watch these online services together that you could serve one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, and continue to be the body of Christ even through these online services? Let me ask you this, another question. How are you doing in offering your service to God and your your service to the church? You know, I'll tell you what, Restoration Church, we've got some phenomenal people that serve in so many different ways. We are a set-up and tear-down church, and I'm so thankful for all the people that, that make church happen. We couldn't do church without you. But let me just ask you this. What is your attitude like when you are asked to serve? Are you weary of giving yourself to serve the body of Christ? Are you looking and saying, man, I've already done my time. I don't have any more time. I don't want to do this anymore. What does your attitude look like? When it's your turn to serve, are you giving your very best? Or are you just showing up because you're supposed to? Again, are you giving your very best to the kingdom of God and to building the kingdom of God? Are you giving your, your your very best to building your kingdom Monday through Saturday? In fact, let me mention this. It goes towards the attitude and the heart we have towards church. See, what I found is in this crazy political season, it's crazy how We can be the greatest evangelist of our political views. We can be the greatest evangelist of our political party, of our political candidate, of our favorite TV show, of our restaurant, where we are always talking good about this person. We're never criticizing them. Yet we can be so quick to criticize the church, the bride of Christ that God made us be a part of. Do you think God doesn't notice that? It's all... A heart issue and an attitude issue listen I don't know how this speaks to you but when I consider what I offer to God and I'll be honest my toes are getting stepped on there's times in my life when I'm short-sighted where I know in my head I know that God is great but my heart that is prone to wander it doesn't give my best to God I invest my days and my dollars and my deeds to my kingdom. And I give God what's left over. I give God what's convenient and what's easy. And if you're in that situation, we could end this message right now. And most of us would feel like we've been confronted by God and we feel this incredible burden that we've got to try harder. We've got to try harder to, to give our best to God. But here's the thing. None of us have ever been changed based on guilt alone. When we change on on guilt alone, uh, rarely does that lead to a lasting change. See, the gospel, the gospel doesn't change us because we're guilty. The gospel changes us because we have been given grace, because we have been given the love of God, and that becomes our motivation for change. See, in the middle of this text, in the middle of this hard word that God has for the people of God, he's going to remind the Israelites of his grace. Look what Malachi writes for us in verse 9. He says, Now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to you. See, here we are today, and maybe you're like me. You're recognizing, man, I haven't been giving God my best. I've been giving God less than my best. Listen, today Malachi wants us to hear that we can seek our face towards God. We can repent and we can turn away and acknowledge Him. And that we would have the ability to experience His grace today. His forgiveness, His love, His peace. The reality is none of us, none of us are ever going to get it all right. But God gives us a promise that if we confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us. Jesus has already paid the price for our half-hearted worship. The question is, will we turn to him? Will we turn to him and say, God, I'm sorry for my worship. I'm sorry I've given you less than the best. Would we repent and make a decision today to turn and determine in our heart this week To give God our best. Determine in our heart from this point forward, God, I'm not going to give you just what's easy. I'm going to give you all of me. I think about about the word that that Jesus said. If anyone does not lose his life for my sake, that's what God wants of us. That we would give our lives for his sake. That we'd worship him with all of who we are, all of our life. Our days, our deeds, our dollars, our time, our money, our actions, our attitudes. I'm asking us, would we as a people of God, would we repent of the times that we give God less than the best? And would we pray and say, God, would you help me? Would you give me the ability and remind me to give you the very best of who I am, that I seek first your kingdom and all these other things, God, you'd add to me? Let's pray. God, I just want to pray that you would meet us here today, that you would give us your grace and your peace. God, this is a challenging word. This is a hard word, but God, we are so thankful that you speak to us in a way because you love us, because you want us to experience all that you've offered us. You've offered us abundant life. You've offered us us peace and joy. You've offered us forgiveness. So God, I pray today that we'd silence that defense attorney, We wouldn't allow Satan to fill our minds with justifications about how we're not that bad. But God, that we would acknowledge the times that we give you less than the best. And God, I pray that today, today that we'd be honest before you and just confess that. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for how I've held on and given my best for me. And how I've just given you what's left over. God, I'm sorry that I've treated your church in a way that that doesn't give you the honor that you deserve. God, I'm sorry that I've, I've worshiped you in a way that doesn't show you that you are glorious and worthy because, God, you are. God, I know this to be true in my heart. God, I pray that you help me to believe it in my heart. Lord, I pray that as a people that we would make a decision today that we would dedicate ourselves fully to you that we'd present our lives as a living sacrifice where all that we have and all that we are would be dedicated to you, that we'd give you the best of what we have. and that God, you would use that. You would take that to use that to bless the kingdom of God, to grow the kingdom of God, to grow the church. God, I love you and I praise you. I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us today. Jesus, I ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen.